Blessings to you and welcome to our podcast, our worship service remote for First United Methodist Church of West Pittston and for Plains United Methodist Church of Plains, Pennsylvania. Our scripture readings for later for this morning will be Jeremiah 31 verses 31 through 34 and John 12 verses 20 through 33. I am Reverend Tenny Hutchinson Rupnick, and my email address is tenhutrup at gmail.com. That's T-E-N-H-U-T-R-U-P at gmail.com. Please send me any prayer requests you have and let me know if they are private in nature or if it's okay to share them on the next week's podcast so that your church family may be praying for you. Our prayer requests for our charge for this week are for continued healing for Nick Bear and Craig Davis, for John Eichmann for healing, for Brendan, Katie Amara, the loved ones of Jack Skursky, for Andy and Andrew, for Keith, Clyde Dukes, Bill Lohman, for Joe Williams for healing and recovery, for people who live far away from and miss their loved ones, for those who are victims of abuse, for little Nate Gray, for all our healthcare workers and first responders, all our governmental, civic, and church leaders. And a few quick announcements this morning. First of all, I came to visit my daughter for a couple days and I'm in her apartment in Binghamton, New York. You might hear an air conditioner in the background on this recording, and you might have already heard her little cat named Kit Kat. She's been meowing now and then. So those are the two things that might be going on in the background that are different. Also, both of our churches in our charge are holding in-person services once again. Plains UMC meets at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings, and First UMC in West Pittston meets at 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Please join us. Also, both churches in our charge are having an in-person Holy Thursday service this year that falls on April 1st. Plains's is at 6 p.m. and First UMC's is at 7.30 p.m. Finally, please note that there is still a virtual coffee hour that is being held at 12 noon on Sundays. If you do not already receive this link via email and would be interested in joining us, please email me at tenhutrup at gmail.com and let me know that you'd like to join us. You don't have to have a Zoom membership to participate. You can even call in on your phone. But if you contact me, I can help you with how to do that. The fifth Sunday in Lent, March 21st, 2021. Our first hymn for this morning is number 73 in the hymnal and is entitled, O Worship the King. O worship the King, all glorious above, O gratefully sing God's power and God's love, our shield and defender, the Ancient of Days, pavilioned in splendor and girded with praise. The earth with its store of wonders untold, Almighty thy power hath founded of old, 
hath established it fast by a changeless decree, and round it hath cast like a mantle the sea. Thy bountiful care, what tongue can recite? It breathes in the air, it shines in the light. It streams from the hills, it descends to the plain, and sweetly distills in the dew and the rain. Frail children of dust, and feeble as frail, in thee do we trust, nor find thee to fail. Thy mercies, how tender, how firm to the end, our maker, defender, redeemer, and friend. Our gathering meditation is taken from the book of Hebrews, chapter 5, verses 7 through 9a. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Our prayer of invocation. O God, who is in our midst, empower us to praise you. Dwell in us more fully. Focus us upon your self-giving love. O God, who is in our midst, make your love real here and now through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. And our call to worship this morning, it's taken from Psalm 51. Have mercy on us, O God, according to your steadfast love. Wash us thoroughly and cleanse us from our sin. Do not cast us away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from us. Restore to us the joy of your salvation. Have mercy on us, O God according to your steadfast love. Our prayer of invocation. Let us pray. Blessed Lord, it is through you that we are able to gather in your presence today. We worship you and thank you for your grace. According to your word, all good and perfect things come from your throne above. Give us the good things we need to follow you and walk with you. The trust, the grit, the obedience. Through Christ who strengthens us, we ask that you abide with us always. And it's in his name we pray. All God's children say, Amen. Joining together now in our confession of faith, may we recite the Apostles' Creed. Let us say what we believe and believe what we say. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. 
I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Amen. And now we come to the point in our podcast in which we have our children's message. Today I'd like to talk for a bit about math and calculators. You might remember that we've talked about calculators before. We've talked about using a calculator at school or by using the one we can pull up on a smartphone. Today I'd like to think about calculators again. I'd like for us to talk about calculators one more time. Have you ever wondered what all the buttons on a calculator are for? I mean, there are some buttons on really complicated calculators that I know I've never even used. Now we understand the numbered buttons, of course, like one, two, three, and four, and so on. But what about that symbol that looks like a little X? Some of you might know that that's for multiplication. How about the one that is a short little line with a dot below and a dot above? That's for division. If you haven't heard how to multiply or how to times or how to divide yet, don't worry, you will learn how to do it and you'll use it all the time. Now here's one that might be a little trickier. There's one button that says CE on some calculators and it says AC on my phone's calculator. Do you know what that means? Well, that one means that you can clear everything or you can clear it all. Clear it all, like erasing what you'd already put in and starting over. So if, when you're using the calculator, you make a mistake, you can hit that CE or that AC button, that clear all button, and you can start over. Now, we aren't calculators, of course, but I think that in a way, God gave us a clear all button as well. In the Bible, Paul wrote that love keeps no record of wrongs. Why? Well, because when we ask for forgiveness, God hits the clear all button and erases our mistakes because he loves us so very much. And then we can start over and it's as if that mistake had never been made. So next time you're using a calculator, think about that clear all button and say a little prayer like we will now and be very thankful that we serve a forgiving God and a always loving God. Let's pray. God, thank you for forgiving us and hitting that clear all button to erase our mistakes. We may sometimes keep a record of our wrongs, but you certainly don't. And for that, we give you our praise. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's children say, Amen. Our next hymn for this morning is number 158 in the hymnal and is entitled, Come Christians, Join to Sing. Come Christians, join to sing. Alleluia, amen. Loud praise to Christ our King. Alleluia, amen. Let all with heart and voice before his throne rejoice. 
praises his gracious choice. Alleluia, amen. Come, lift your hearts on high. Alleluia, amen. Let praises fill the sky. Alleluia, amen. He is our guide and friend. To us he'll condescend. His love shall never end. Alleluia, amen. Praise yet the Lord again. Alleluia, amen. Life shall not end the strain. Alleluia, amen. On heaven's blissful shore, His goodness will adore. Singing forevermore. Alleluia. Amen. Our prayer for illumination. Let us pray. O God, our God, as your word is read and your Son, the Word, is proclaimed, open our minds and soften our hearts that we may receive and understand, remember and act upon your wisdom and your truth. Emblazon your message upon our hearts and embolden our spirits to true discipleship. In Christ's name we ask it, amen. Our Old Testament reading for this morning is from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 31, verses 31 through 34. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to one another, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. And our gospel reading is from the book of John, chapter 12 verses 20 through 33. Now among those who went to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Now my soul is troubled, and what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, 
It is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard the voice and said that it was thunder. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not for mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate the kind of death he was to die. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our message for this morning is entitled, The Days Are Surely Coming. There is some dark thinking going on here. Some very dark thinking going on. But first, let's take just a moment to get ourselves into position. Into position in the text, in the story. In this passage, we are nearing the end of Jesus's earthly ministry. At this point in John's account, Jesus has already raised Lazarus from the dead. Jesus has already been anointed by Mary in costly perfumes, the sorts one might use for burial. Then, apparently the very next day, Jesus traveled into Jerusalem. He entered into Jerusalem for what would be his final time. He went there for the Passover festival and arrived there about six days before his eventual death. This was Jesus's famous entrance into the holy city, an entrance in which he is reported to have sat on the back of a donkey or of a colt, his grand arrival, an arrival before which word of his coming traveled like wildfire and the people heard of it and anticipated the appearance of the popular small town prophet and teacher. The, the entrance in which the crowds of fans cheered and cried out as they went out to greet him, as they carried and waved palm branches like pom-poms, as they raised their voices and praised and exalted Jesus's name, shouting to Jesus and of Jesus, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. This all just happened in the pages of John before our scripture for this morning. And now at this section of scripture, now Jesus is, well, being seen. He is being heard. He is fully surrounded by the welcoming crowds. And at this point, our scripture for today tells us that some Greeks, that is some non-Jewish people, are looking for Jesus. They are wanting to speak with him. It says that they came to Philip and politely enough said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Now, if we pay attention, the next detail is interesting because Jesus was apparently not an easy man to get with at this point, not an easy man to speak to or to see. Maybe it was because of his current rock star status and the crush of the crowds around him. Maybe the disciples were doing what they could to make sure gawkers and troublemakers didn't waste his time. We can't know exactly, but here the scripture shows us that these non-Jewish men had to ask to see Jesus and that when they did ask, 
that Philip took their request and went and told Andrew, and that Andrew and Philip then went together and told Jesus, told Jesus that there were some non-Israelites, some non-Jews who wanted to speak with him. And with this, we are caught up. Because here is where Jesus answers them all. Here is where Jesus speaks up and predicts his own death. Here is where Jesus proclaims that his own hour has come near. Here is where he talks about how grains of wheat must fall to the ground and die. And here is where Jesus says, straight out and clear as he can be, that his soul is troubled. And our attention is grabbed. Because, after all, matters of life and death do have a way of focusing one's attention, don't they? Matters of life and death, they grab us. And this is usually when the matters of life and death are concerning the average person. But here, these matters, these life and death issues, well, they concern Jesus. They concern the Savior and Messiah. They concern the earthly presence of our very God. So it is fair to say that our attention is doubly, is, is triply grabbed and that our interest is seized. I was thinking that it's something like that title of that famous contemporary Christian song, the song written and made popular by the group Mercy Me, the one entitled, I Can Only Imagine. That this situation of trying to understand how Jesus's soul can be troubled, that it is something like that song's title because we can only imagine. We can only imagine what cares, what events, what calling is before Jesus that is disturbing enough, difficult enough, and dreaded enough to disrupt his spirit. Yeah, we can only imagine what commitment and what purpose can disturb and upset the soul of the Almighty. We can only imagine. And because we are mortal, because we are finite, and because we can only understand what we understand, we read or hear that Jesus' soul was troubled and we think we get it. That is, we think we comprehend it. We think that we imagine it correctly, that we must know what it is that is going on as we remind ourselves that Jesus is on a path at this point toward pain and suffering, when we recall the torture that he will yet have to endure, while we remember the crucifixion and the dying, which was all yet ahead of him. When we think of all that, and as we consider Jesus's troubled soul, we think, of course, that's it. The approaching pain is what's troubling his soul. The impending death is what has him overwhelmed. This is what must be troubling Jesus. That, of course, is what has to be what is worrying the Messiah. That surely is what is upsetting our manifested God. He is facing pain and suffering. He is about to die. After all, here is our immortal, invisible, God-only wise. Here is our immutable, invincible God of all times. Here he is suddenly and most unnaturally facing death. Here he is suddenly confronting mortality. Here he is suddenly experiencing an end and undergoing some change and facing a kind of defeat in a way, 
a kind of defeat as man's ignorance wins for the moment, and as human cruelty gets ahead for the time being, and as ugly vengeance has its ugly way. And there's some truth in that, right? Some truth in the fact that God is, well, God as Jesus is facing a kind of ending for the very first time. There is truth in the fact that this experience of death is something of a new thing, a new thing for the one who created the heavens and the earth, a different kind of thing for the one who is the great I am. There's truth in all of that, truth in the fact that we can only imagine the questions that Jesus may have had and the questions that he might have faced at that time. And truth in that we can only imagine what it must have been like on the other side of it, what it must have been like to be the Lord of all creation and the God of all life and living, and to have to be confined to a mortal body and to stare death in the face. And all I'm saying is that there might have been something in that experience of staring death in the face that caused Jesus's heart and mind to be bothered, something in all his consideration of his own ending that led Jesus's spirit and soul to be troubled. We can only imagine. But I also wonder, I more wonder as a matter of fact, if maybe we are jumping to conclusions somewhat when we assume that it was his approaching suffering or his inevitable ending that was what Jesus anticipated and was what was troubling him so very much. I mean, if we really think about it, doesn't it seem like Jesus's concern about his own pain, his own suffering or death? Well, doesn't it seem like that could just be too easy an answer for us? Too quick an answer or too human a response, perhaps, to say that Jesus was troubled to his very soul here about his own safety and mortality. Maybe we're putting our own spin on it. Maybe, if we stop to think about it, we might agree that it seems like an all too human understanding of what he was going through. Because we are the mortal ones and we are the finite ones and matters of death do have a way of, of focusing our attention. Death and dying can all seem like such a great mystery to us at times. Sometimes we fear it. Sometimes we're traumatized by it. Often we are confused or turned off by it. But isn't that our take? Our understanding or lack of it? Our, under our understanding or lack of it because of our very humanness and our limited nature. And God, well, God is the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-seeing Lord of all creation and matters of life and death. Well, they must be like so many plastic building blocks in his hand. They are not overwhelming or fear-inducing or too heavy for God to handle. And there is no mystery in death for God. And so the Lord was unlikely too traumatized by that, not too mystified or traumatized, as the very power of the universe lies right at his, at his fingertips. So what if we consider more? What if we imagine more? What if we consider there was more, that there was so much more that was lying heavily upon Jesus's soul, more than just concern with breathing his last breath? More, 
like thoughts about his loved ones betraying him, his trusted ones abandoning him, his very people, the same ones who just shouted Hosanna to his name, those very same ones turning their backs on him and mocking him and goading on his captors as in those final moments of his trial as they yell, crucify him, crucify him. Maybe the Lord is more troubled about the emotional pain of what lies ahead of him and is more troubled about the relational distance of what he must soon face, the personal betrayal and the almost total aloneness. Maybe Jesus is more concerned with the understanding that he will no longer be there to fuss at Peter when he speaks too hastily to walk along in conversation with John and James, to be able to stop and see Martha and Mary when on his way to Bethany, to step in when an ill woman needs wholeness or a dying man needs healing. Maybe Jesus's soul was troubled because he knew that the day was coming, that the days were coming when people like the non-Jewish men in the crowd would come forward to those who supposedly knew Jesus and would say things like, we want to see Jesus, please, sir and ma'am. And there would be no one left who would know Jesus well enough to show him to them. Maybe Jesus's soul was troubled because he understood that while the Holy Spirit would be offered to all who would believe, that there would be so many who would disregard it or would turn their backs on it, who did not think that they deserved it, who did not think that they needed it or wanted it. Maybe, just maybe Jesus's soul was most troubled in those moments because he had been so very busy with the loving and teaching and forgiving and serving and doing of all this, yet he knew he knew that the gift of God, the gift of salvation, the gift of the Holy Spirit that he wrapped up and placed in the hands of humankind would be loosely held and lazily shared and would inevitably tumble from negligent fingers to all too often land in the dirt. Yes, there is some dark thinking going on here, some very dark thinking going on. Yet there is good news here at the end of this dreary Lenten sermon. Good news because we know that Jesus had moved on and ahead, regardless of his troubled spirit. We know that he moved on toward the cross, that he moved ahead to the pain and suffering that awaited. He moved on and ahead toward the death that was to come and toward the disregard that was yet to follow. And he did all of this because, as the prophet Jeremiah had said, surely the days were coming. Indeed, surely the days have already been and will always be. The days when our God is our God and we are his people. Days when the Son of God would leave a tomb empty and share God's Holy Spirit with those who believed and write God's name on our hearts and love us and forgive us regardless of our failings. Because God is God and because God is vast love 
and because God is great mercy and unending grace. Surely those days are already here. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our next hymn for this morning is number 371, I Stand Amazed in the Presence, and I'll be reading the lyrics this morning. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus, the Nazarene, and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned, unclean. For me, it was in the garden he prayed, not my will but thine. He had no tears for his own griefs, but sweat drops of blood for mine. In pity, angels beheld him and came from the world of light to comfort him in the sorrows he bore for my soul that night. He took my sins and my sorrows. He made them his very own. He bore the burden to Calvary and suffered and died alone. When with the ransomed in glory, his face at last I shall see, t'will be my joy through the ages to sing of his love for me. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. At this point in our podcast, we remember our call to support our churches with our time, our talents, and our treasure. And so I say now, as I say every week, just as our almighty God gave entirely of God's self for our sakes, we are likewise called to give up of ourselves time and time again for the sake of others. Let us pray. Glorious God, You sent Jesus to change our lives in bold and amazing ways. As we place this offering before you, and when we place our offerings before you, help us to surrender completely to your love and to be stirred into fruit-bearing action that results in faithful stewardship. In your holy name we pray, and all God's children say, Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise God, all creatures here below. Praise God above, ye heavenly host. Praise Creator Christ and Holy Ghost. Amen. And now as we have so gathered, not together in body physically, but still together as the body of Christ, let us bend the knees of our hearts and bow our heads before our Creator, Sustainer, and Lord in prayer. Let us pray. O Lord, hear our prayer, O Lord, hear our prayer, when we call, answer us. O Lord, hear our prayer, O Lord, hear our prayer, come and listen to Merciful God, full of grace, hear our prayers of confession and our prayers of need in these next few moments of silence.
loving creator. We feel the pace quicken, the time draw near. We are filled with anticipation as we move toward Easter and toward a promised reconciliation with you. Teach us to follow the example set by your son so that we may be worthy of being called his disciples, so that we may fit the title of Christian. Help us to live each day as he did by turning hatred to love and conflict to peace. Loving Father, so many times we turn away from you and always you welcome us back. Your mercy and love gives us confidence they give us peace. And we thank you for your invitation during Lent to a deeper faith, for the invitation to study, to fast, and to pray, so that you can form new hearts and spirits within us. Lord, you love us as your own children. May we bend our lives and wills towards you as an obedient child should, so that we might walk your path. And here, in the middle of Lent, we return to you to beg for your help. Please soften us. Help us to let go of judging others. Help us to let go of always having to be right. Please help us to be more patient, gentle, loving, and compassionate with others. Send us your spirit, Lord, to guide us and to strengthen us. We ask for your help and our weakness and we are so very grateful for your support in our lives now and for the eternal life for which you are preparing us. We hear your invitation of come back to me and we are filled with such a longing to do so. Show us the way to return. We are filled with our love for you. Let our love shine from us and onto others and guide our lives in the sacred journey toward the Easter joy you offer to us all. We ask you all this in Jesus' name and continue now to pray as he taught us to, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our final hymn for this morning is number 419 in the hymnal. I am thine, O Lord. I am thine, O Lord. I have heard thy voice and it told thy love to me. But I long to rise in the arms of faith and be closer drawn to thee. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. Consecrate me now to thy service, Lord, by thy power of grace divine. Let my soul look up with a steadfast hope, and my will be lost in thine. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. 
Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. Oh, the pure delight of a single hour that before thy throne I spend. When I kneel in prayer and with thee, my God, I commune as friend with friend. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. There are depths of love that I cannot know till I cross the narrow sea. There are heights of joy that I may not reach till I rest in peace with thee. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. Before we take our leave now of one another, by turning off this podcast and going into our day and our week, May we recite the prayer of St. Francis of Assisi together. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console to be understood, as to understand, to be loved, as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born into eternal life. Amen. And now, may you go into the days of this week and deeper into this season of Lent, strong in the presence of the Holy Spirit and confident that God goes with you. Shalom to you now, shalom my friends, may God's full mercies bless you my friends, in all your living and through your loving, Christ be your shalom, Christ be your shalom.